0: That's joinmidi.com
1: You're listening to Thunderquack Podcast Network. first order off our backs.
2: Nice work, Paul. Tim, are we set to make the jump? Yep. The engines are primed and coordinates for the rendezvous are set. All right. Strap in and let's get this intel delivered to the resistance. Punch it! You're listening to Star Wars. The saga continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery, Tim Jirasi, and Paul Herman are scouring the holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed. So we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Hey there, Star Wars fans, and welcome back to a brand new episode of Star Wars The Saga Continues, our first episode of 2021. Uh, Still your podcast for all the latest news, rumors, and updates on Star Wars The High Republic, The Bad Batch, The Mandalorian, all the cool and exciting new projects coming up in the Star Wars universe. As always, I'm your host, Kyle, and I'm back with my co-hosts, Tim and Paul. How's it going, guys?
3: What's up, guys? It's been a a little bit, but... Definitely glad to be back and talking Star Wars after about a month's hiatus, but a lot of good stuff that we had in 2020 with Star Wars, and it just looks to continue in 2021 already in this first month of 2021. So yeah, lots to be excited for still.
1: Yeah, everyone, what's up? It's been a, it's been crazy. It's been a crazy uh, new year, but it's been a, hopefully the dawn of a, of a new era of Star Wars this last year and and also in the society and, uh. (laughs) And honestly, hopefully things are going to get better from a, you know economic standpoint of everyone with being sick and COVID. And hopefully this will be the start of a, a new year and a new starting to everyone to kind of get on the same page as Star Wars. And like I said, Star Wars is heading in a new direction right now. And it's really, really exciting. So uh, yeah, lots of lots of stuff to talk about. I'm really, really excited.
2: Yeah, definitely. By the way, for anybody wondering, we, we and we can maybe talk a little bit about the High Republic on this episode as well and just kind of. General first impressions and stuff, but we're going to do a whole episode dedicated to the High Republic in our next episode. Um, we got some other news, gaming news and stuff like that that we wanted to talk about here and kind of get that out of the way first. Also, I haven't finished reading Light of the Jedi yet, but I am reading it. So I'm debunking all of Paul's false claims that Kyle doesn't read. That's fake news. Um, <laughs> and as soon as I'm done with that book, we'll all get together and, and just have a big, long, lengthy, in-depth discussion yeah, of yeah. the High Republic. So I'm, that
1: episode uh, <laughs> will be next year this time. All right. So no, no, <laughs>
2: No, no, no. We're talking about the time it takes me to finish a book, not you to finish a video game. Um, Whoa! Uh, <laughs> uh, that's fair, that's fair, that's fair. But uh, I'm loving it so far, and I know I know you guys are loving it and chomping at the bit to, to get in and talk about it already. Um, but before we jump into the news that we do have to talk about for this episode, um, you know, we've had... Christmas, we've Paul and I both had a, we shared the same birthday that we just had a couple weeks ago. So, uh, Paul, I know you wanted to talk about, uh, do a kind of Star Wars loot update. Uh, did you get any cool Star Wars stuff over the past few weeks? Oh, yeah, for sure. So,
1: basically, it's kind of this is kind of a little bit of a cheat, but, um, but whatever. I'm just going to go with it. So, the first actual, like, legit, uh, or it's a couple of legit Star, or Star Wars uh, gifts I got for Christmas and my birthday. Um, the first one is the star Wars archives, 1977 to 1983 book that it's the, the not super expensive, crazy one, but this more condensed uh, version of it and cheaper version of it. And it's rad. I haven't even had a chance to go in and like just analyze it yet and and dive in. But when I do, I'm really excited. It's a really nice looking book. Like even like the, the, it's smaller than like the more expensive one, but it just looks really nice. It's it's really well made. I, I have to say. I also got the lightsaber book. Um, oh, nice! The yeah, I, I I love that's one thing I love about Star Wars is all the guidebooks that you can get. That just how important all those things are together. I just love that about Star Wars. It's so great. Um, but uh, for yeah, but for my birthday and for Christmas, I got between that period of time. And if you follow me on social media, which why aren't you? I mean, come on, I'm just kidding. Uh, but <laughs> but between those uh, periods of time, I. Uh, had gotten bitten by a certain bug. And it's the uh, – I've gotten more into buying physical comic books again. And everyone knows I'm a giant comic book advocate. I read them all the time anyway. But I I went to digital a couple of years ago for the most part. But what's strange is over the COVID, over this last year – and yeah, it's just very convenient where it's during this pandemic and I have a baby – all in the same year, I decided to like, get back into a really expensive hobby again. Anyway, um, but uh, but buying physical comic books again, and not like necessarily the floppies, but the trades. Um, besides the canon shelf, which everyone knows, I, I I get those, and that there is an updated picture coming up very soon, probably next week or so, if you're wondering, the two people who are wondering. Um, so with that. I um, had just kind of been perusing. I, I, I collect mainly physical Star Wars stuff. That's kind of where I I stayed with. In digital, everything else was because it's easier that way. Well, I got into physical physical graphic novels over the last year of, of stuff I really liked. And I just started kind of deep diving more into Star Wars stuff that I kind of wanted and needed. And I was buying all kinds of stuff. And I discovered that um, the Marvel Epic Collection line. Now, I'm just going to say it's... I kind of thought it just kind of, you know, glorified, just, you know, reprinting of, you know, just random stuff. But there are the one thing that you want to be uh, alert of if you're not really sure what those are. And this is really cool, Kyle, too, just for, I think just for for anyone. Um, and, and Tim, I think I've already talked to you about it. But it's not just like a collection of like a series, right, where it's like, oh, here's a series. And then we click the whole thing. That is sometimes. But in the Mar- in all the Marvel Marvel Epic lines, it's more of a chronological order of reading, basically. So it includes like guest appearances from the different characters. So in Star Wars, you're talking about eras, right? So like for instance, the Clone Wars Epic Collection line, that whole thing is literally not just the the, the old Dark Horse comic books, but they're actually random stories brought in from like the random like mini series or whatever they put in everything. Even if it's like a backup backup from like a, you know, a four or five page backup, it puts that stuff all in this chronological, uh, legends line.
3: That's And awful. I was,
1: dude, I was like, wait a minute. That's pretty freaking cool. And then what's cool about that is that, um, what got me alerted to that was the tales of the Jedi, which is one of my favorite, uh, well, not the, not the Golden Age of the Sith. It's a whole different story. But the Tales of the Jedi after that, uh, I love that stuff. It's one of my favorite Legends stuff um, from that era. And I noticed that the first um, Tales of the Jedi uh, epic came uh, out right around Christmas time. And I got that for Christmas. I really wanted it. And it was, a, it, but it was the first 12 issues, sorry, Tim, of uh, Dawn of the Jedi. But they yeah. put it under the, <laughs> but, they, but they put it under the Tales of the Jedi era because that goes first, then the Golden Age of the Sith and all hmm. that stuff. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. So now, like, it's just really cool because now you can have a chronological order of, like, everything. And then, it, again, it includes, like, special uh, backup issues or zero issues or preview issues that are exclusive in certain places. And it just all this different stuff, and it chronologically goes in that order. And I'm like, that's pretty freaking cool. And so, for instance, they have The Knights of the Old Republic, right? Which, by the way, the first volume is, like, one of the hardest ones to get. And I'm just like, you know, said goodbye to that one. I, I bought all the trades, the original Dark Horse trades instead. But there's three volumes that covers that whole series, right? That, cover, that, that reprints everything from that whole series with, uh, by John Jackson Miller, Miller. It then goes into a volume four now. That's going to be basically um, all the Old Republic stuff, um, the other Old Republic comic books and, and Night Errant and all that stuff. That's going to be collected into one major volume coming out this summer and I was like this is amazing so I've gotten bit by the collect marvel star wars collected, uh epic collection bug and I've been buying a lot and I, I have like a crap load now and my wife's really mad at me <laughs> um and so like for instance I have like those old um the old digest uh, dark horse stuff is great the thing with the epic collection though it's bigger but, like, like for instance, I was like, I'm not going to buy the, the Marvel reprint stuff because I already have that digitally on, you know, for free on, or not for free. But, you know, for Marvel Unlimited, I have the, the digest things. But this has it all in chronological order, including all this black and white stuff from the U.K. Like it's and it's not just like, you know, all at it chunks. It's like it's in the actual order of like it's crazy. I was like, this is amazing. So I bought all those. It, it's insane. So, yeah, I have been bitten by. The Star Wars Epic Collection bug, and I am just going, uh, it's awesome. And I've got a lot of help from uh, a community that our own uh, Thunder Quack uh, podcast person, uh, Curtis from the Epic Marvel podcast, he has a, a group of people that is dedicated to that line of stuff. And I joined that community, and I've gotten help from those people getting the ones that I need with reasonable prices, which I was very happy about. So uh, really awesome. I've got to promote both the Epic Marvel podcast and their community on Facebook. Super rad. The, if you haven't checked out these Epic collections, I highly recommend you do. They are just – they're beautifully put together. Super rad. And you can get them digitally if you want, but I have them physically. And I just, um, I just got the uh, – I just ordered the uh, first three volume – or the first three. The three collection of um, Clone Wars. Because the second one was out of print and there's a lot of money. I found a great deal on all three together. I have those coming soon. I cannot wait. So, yeah, it's uh, my – the the Star Wars shelf in general is going to be a lot more insane here coming up. And I'm really excited. So basically between Christmas and my birthday, I got really into buying those collections and spent a lot, a lot of money. But basically, happy, Merry Christmas Merry Christmas, and Happy Birthday to me, basically.
2: <laughs> nice. Yes. Um. Well, I can tell you, I definitely did not spend all that money on comic books, but I got some pretty cool Star Wars stuff too. Um, I got the well for Christmas. I got the Art of the Mandalorian book, um, which I devoured and read all the way through. That's the I think that's the first art book that I've actually read like all the text cover to cover and not just flipped through and looked at all the the artwork and the pictures. Um, cause I just love reading about like the behind the scenes process of how they made the show and everything. And, you know, anytime there's anything from Dave Filoni or John Favreau regarding the making of the Mandalorian, I'm just going to eat that stuff up. Um, which by the way, we, I don't know if we might, you know, when we, when we get to the actual news stuff, if we might want to talk about briefly the, um, the Disney gallery for season two as well, cause we never covered that. Um. But yeah, so I got the Mandalorian art book. I got uh, the uh, the Certain Point of View book for the Empire Strikes Back, um, and I haven't gotten into that yet. But I'm excited to you know just read some of those short stories. I've heard that uh, a lot of people really like those. Um, and then uh, actually, for my birthday, I got actually a belated birthday present from my parents that just I actually just picked up yesterday, even though my birthday was a couple of weeks ago because it was out of stock for a while. But I got the Oculus Quest um and i got Vader Immortal on that and the uh, tales from the galaxy's edge so i get to check out the uh the VR oh, nice. Star Wars stuff um and so far so like no, so- i'm
3: the only one left who doesn't have VR <laughs> yeah
2: yeah um it was it's so cool like i i just played through the first chapter of uh Vader Immortal last night and i'm loving that so far it's really cool how it kind of like like it, we all went and did the um the other uh, Star Wars VR experience at Disneyland together. Um, gosh, I'm blanking on the, the secrets, secrets of the of empire. empire. We, we all did that together, right? Not together. Or did I did not? it with both of um, you separately. Okay. Yeah, I remember, yeah, yeah. 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 I remember Tim and I, Tim, you and I have that picture that we took from when we did it together. But for some reason, I thought Paul was there with us too. Maybe I'm just thinking when we, when we went to galaxy's edge, um, but it's just, You know, being back in Vader's castle in VR, I'm like, man, this feels like, um, like, uh, you know, that Secrets of the Empire again, except you can just, you get to explore more, you get to fight with a lightsaber, like, you interact with Vader face to face. It's so cool. Uh, so I can't wait to play through the rest of that and, and play the Tales from the Galaxy's Edge, and it's uh, just fun being able to play around with all that stuff. Um, I also got a 4K TV for my birthday, so I've just been watching a lot of Star Wars movies and Mandalorian episodes in 4K, and it's a way bigger TV than I used to have. Um, so that's not really a Star Wars item, but I've been enjoying it for Star Wars purposes. Um, <laughs> and then I Don't also la- I, I got some... Uh, just various money and gift cards and stuff, um, for my birthday and for Christmas. And basically I, I racked up like two hundred dollars in Amazon gift cards. Um and so with that I bought a uh I bought one Star Wars comic. I got the trade of the um the Jedi Fall in Order tie-in series, the Dark Temple. Um Okay. So I figured that would be a fun story to read because I love that game so much. And then I know you guys will be happy to know I'm I'm starting to feel that itch a little bit to read some more Star Wars stuff. Because obviously I got Light of the Jedi too, and I'm kind of slowly making my way through that. But I'm really enjoying it and already planning to get some more of the upcoming High Republic novels. Um, but also I haven't bought them yet, but in my Amazon.
1: Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Hey, Mel, Bri here. Gotta work from home today because the whole family caught a nasty. Daddy! Hey, Mikey! If you're gonna puke, find the popcorn bowl!
3: But my availability is 110%. Coincidentally, so is my fever. <laughs> Kidding. Mel, I'm so cold, but hot. Uh, but I'm going to get to that budget just as soon as... Uh,
0: Mikey! Popcorn bowl! Press 1 to use Instacart and get your family's sick day essentials delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. Press 2 to keep working. Do not press 2. Just use Instacart, Brian.
2: Cart right now, I've got the Lando comic series that you guys keep telling me to read.
0: Nice. And
2: the first volume of the current run of Vader comics. So um, I was hoping that was what you are going to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So those are the next two things I'm going to pick up to read. And then I also finally got the Lego set of the Razor Crest. That's the one other thing that I've been wanting for mm, a long cool. time. And I haven't, like, I'm not a huge Lego collector. I get a set every once in a while. Um, like, I got one for Christmas last year, and that was the first Lego thing I had built in a long, long time. Um, but I really wanted the razor crest and I didn't get it for Christmas. And so I was going to buy it with, you know, just the gift cards and stuff that I had. But after Christmas it was out of stock and then like it was on Amazon, but it was available for like 250 bucks. And then it was like 180 and you know, the price was way up cause it was so hard to find. And I finally snagged it the other day back at the original price. Um, so that I think I'm getting that like tomorrow. Um, so yeah, got, uh, a few nice additions to my collection as general grievous would say yeah. yes
3: <laughs> well kind of in the same vein as you were talking about with you getting a new tv and watching star wars content i was kind of in the same boat because i treated myself to a new big screen tv that i've been dying to get for a while in 4k and the last couple of weeks or month or so just been doing a star Wars movie marathon from episode one, all the way to episode nine with rogue one and solo in between. Didn't go as quickly as I wanted to watch them (laughs) due to certain things coming up, but I just finished watching the rise of Skywalker on my new TV in 4k. And it was just a great star Wars viewing experience besides some technical difficulties with some of the discs that I won't get into, but (laughs) just watching all the movies one through nine, Um, kind of for the first time in a while actually and i think the first time since rise of skywalker's been released on blu-ray and 4k and man it's just great watching these movies looking as great as they ever been and just experiencing the story that we all know and love but kind of in a brand new way when you're (laughs) watching it on a nice crystal clear new tv and just being blown away by the awesome visuals that just enhance the storytelling that you're already familiar with, but still leaves you with that good feeling of watching Star Wars. And, um, it was just been fun to go through them again, the, this last month or so. And, uh, just makes you excited for what's to come at the same time too, <laughs> as you're watching the the old movies, the more recent ones, but then thinking about, some of the more recent stuff we got, like the Mandalorian season two and how it all connects together. And then just thinking about what's ahead for some of the future stuff we're going to be getting with Star Wars TV. It was just fun to kind of have all those thoughts go through my head as I'm watching the saga again, knowing that it's just grown so far beyond just the Skywalker saga now. That just makes me really happy and excited. So that was fun to do over this last month. So um, that was my Star Wars intake, I guess, since our last episode, and just kind of familiar—not familiarizing myself, but just kind of getting reacquainted with where it all began with the movies. Because, as Paul said, and we said, things are going in a new direction with Star Wars, starting with this year, um, with certain things, and it's not just going to be the movies for a while. But we know that's where it all began, and where's the of it is so it was just fun to revisit all that stuff again and seeing it like never before.
2: Yeah, and that's always the best way to break in a new TV. I mean, I got my TV. Of course, on, yeah, I, I got my TV on my birthday. Came home and the first thing I watched was Revenge of the Sith that night. So, um and actually, right now I'm I'm starting to do a rewatch of all the Middle Earth movies. I've been. You know, I've I've had Lord of the Rings on my mind That's lately. That's next and, to my list. <laughs> been thinking, man, I need to rewatch those movies again. And then just yesterday, I decided, you know what? I'm not just going to watch Lord of the Rings. I actually, I started with The Hobbit, um, and I watched the first Hobbit movie. And I'm going to go all the way through that whole series. And then I probably will go back and and watch all the Star Wars movies in chronological order. I've just, I mean, since I got my TV, I've been watching a lot of like just Clone Wars episodes and Mandalorian episodes just to see how the the colors and everything look. But um, Yeah, it'd be fun to go back and do a movie rewatch at some point.
3: Yeah, I mean, The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit just came out on 4K in their own box sets, which I'm holding off at getting because when they announced those, they announced like this ultimate box set with all six movies. That's coming out, I believe it was summer, but there's no confirmed date yet. But I want to hold off for that, but (laughs) seeing some of the reviews and some of the trailers and stuff they've had for those makes me want to get them right away but i'm trying to hold off (laughs) because that box that sounds like it's going to be a good one to get just like the star wars one was
2: yeah see i think i'm going to hold off on that i mean i i have the 4k tv but i don't have any of the physical media yet i still just have my xbox one i don't have a 4k blu-ray player so i'm i probably won't get a standalone 4k blu-ray player until i just get the xbox series x probably next christmas Mm. or something so um you know slowly making my way forward with the the 4K technology and the next gen gaming and all that kind of stuff but um also uh, another thing before we uh before we just jump into the news here I also just kind of wanted to recap um you know all the stuff that we got last year and then just kind of what we're looking forward to from Star Wars coming up in 2021 um you know obviously we ended on a bang with the Mandalorian season two, which feels like it was, it, you know, looking back now, it's like that was kind of just the only big Star Wars content of last year. Actually, no, it wasn't. We got the Siege of Mandalore. That feel see 2020, was, 2020, say, yeah. 2020 <laughs> yeah, was so on, no, no 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 twenty twenty was so long. It like it feels like Clone War season seven has been out for no. two years. Um, no, you're not
1: wrong. You're not
2: wrong. No, but yeah, no, definitely. I you know Clone War season seven and then the Mandalorian season two. Um, and Squadrons, which was, you know, fun. I haven't played that in a while, but, um, you know, it's a pretty solid game. I know there's a lot of people still enjoying that. Um, but yeah, for a year that had no movie, and in fact, I guess the the first year that we had no Star Wars movie since uh, 2015, um, between Mandalorian Season 2 and Clone War Season 7, it was... Maybe my favorite Star Wars, like my my favorite cumulative Star Wars content for the year of all the years we've had, you know, and it being the one year with no movie, um, but yeah, in in, in a year that otherwise sucked, um, it, there was just you know some really special moments and some really fantastic Star Wars content that we got last year.
3: Oh yeah, you're dead on there. It's, you wouldn't think about that right away, realizing there was no movie the first year without a star Wars movie since 2015. So you wouldn't think it'd be quite a huge star Wars year, but it is one of the biggest and had some, one of the most memorable stories moments that you could ever ask for in star Wars with what we got and the Mandalorian season two and with the clone wars before that. And it's just crazy to think about that. We got both of these or both of those two seasons of star Wars television in one year And it's just awesome (laughs) that we got that. And just, again, makes you think about how the future of Star Wars and TV, where we're going to be getting more of that in the years to come, which hopefully will be on the same level of what these two seasons were for Star Wars. So, yeah, it was incredible. And not to mention what also made this a really great Star Wars year for us is, even though technically it opened in 2019, we all got to visit Galaxy's Edge in 2020 as well, which kicked off that year. Yeah, for us, oh my god, that also feels awesome like two years moments. ago,
2: but yeah,
1: <laughs> it does.
2: Oh my god, no, that was definitely a highlight of last year. Um, oh, for sure, gosh, that was a ton of fun, and yeah, I mean, obviously, not everybody got to experience that, but for the three of us, that just added yet another awesome Star Wars experience to last year. Oh, by the way, I also got the uh, the, the Star Wars Galaxy's Edge cookbook. Um, I got that oh, yeah. for myself because I wanted to go to Ga- – like my original plan because I just turned 30 and I wanted to have like a big 30th birthday bash and like go to Galaxy's Edge with some of my friends and family. And obviously not only am I like trying to be safe and, and stay away from big crowds because of COVID and stuff, but like I couldn't even go if I wanted to because Disneyland isn't open right now. Um, but I bought that cookbook because I was like, well, maybe I'll you know at least try to make myself something from Galaxy's Edge till like, I feel like I'm there. And they have – like drinks and cocktails and stuff in the book, but they don't have a recipe for me. run juice, which had me severely. Disappointed. Uh, uh, what's the point of even. Uh, making that, that, yeah. There? Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. That was a, that's a great drink too. I yeah. You love I, that.
2: I literally was willing to pay $30 for that book. Just hoping it had me. run juice in it. Um, that's weak. They let me down, uh, but I'll have to try something else too. There instead. Well,
1: uh, I can tell you right now, I think for the last year of Star Wars, um, a great point about the first like non theatrical release we've had, you know, and obviously Rise of Skywalker had come out, what, like a month before the new year. So like it's it's hard to kind of, you know, compare the two. Yeah. A
2: lot of the discourse around Rise of Skywalker happened in 2020. But well, yeah, there is that. But.
1: For me, what's ironic, and I think we all would agree to this, that maybe Star Wars might have had its biggest year ever um, without a movie. And I think that is, or a theatrical release, I would say. Um, and that's pretty interesting. And I think that kind of says a lot for the future of the franchise in general, because I think that and maybe this is for just for any uh franchise in general maybe but because of where we're at right now i hope not again the theatrical experience i think we all a lot of us would agree even though it's great to have streaming streaming's great and all but movies are just an experience that can't it's hard to replicate at home unless you're freaking rich and or are Be- jeff bezos and you're got like you know you're richer than everybody in the whole universe but uh but that being said yeah, I think this has been argu- or arguably. I think it was the biggest year maybe of of Star for Star Wars ever, and I think it's because it's pushing Star Wars in a different um, era where we're not used to. And I think that the Mandalorian and Rise of Skywalker coming out together was just kind of a re- really weird, just kind of culmination. And then the fact that you have Clone Wars, you know, the animated series, and you have the Mandalorian, and you had all the books and stuff that had come out um and everything it just it was interesting and and i think the clone wars and the mandalorian itself those two things were such a bit, they were so successful and huge when they came out and especially with with covid because clone wars you couldn't have you know disney plus couldn't have come out or and 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 been out one and also have all this new star wars content that we all were creating for during a pandemic like now and they really lucked out i mean i know disney plus is a huge or clone wars isn't like the only reason why it's successful or is the a big reason why but it could definitely be a big contributor and it was a big moment for star wars fans and i think that it showed disney how powerful this series really was it was a huge success and i i couldn't all these different podcasters now or podcasters are youtubers and all, every, all those different sites granted they were they were chewing for anything they could get their hands on for content for their own places but the, they were all saying great things about it, and they're like, "Man, like I never watched Clone Wars before, but this is pretty, pretty rad. I'm gonna go check it out." And I think it really showed the power of the binge models. Slash, uh, you know, these animated series are are to be reckoned are something to be reckoned with, and they are they aren't just you know just for a, a small audience. That people do love them, and they really showed how how popular they were and how. And, they're all, and I think from a content uh, point, they were great. You know, they're great looking. And, and obviously the, the Mandalorian season two is, 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 un, is unbelievable and it was amazing. And again, it was just a great timing for Disney to have all this at once. So 2020 is going to mark some, a, a big year for, Disney, or for Star Wars in a sense where it moves in a different direction or it's the start of a moving of a big shift in how Star Wars is told and sold and you know produced and everything and i don't think it's a i don't think it's a bad thing i think it's a, a good change i think this is going to be a, a big year for us to look back and and it'll always be tainted because of the uh of the pandemic but what's interesting is i think it'll be a, it'll be tainted by that and it'll be you know an asterisk saying you know yes during this dark time star wars you know really like redefined itself and that's what i feel it did and it was a uh, you know, it was, it was, it's been great. I mean, it's, it's been a great year for star Wars it really has. And and I think the comics line after the pandemic kind of, you know, came in and, and they kind of relaunched themselves. They've been hitting, they've been firing strong. You know, me and Tim had our episode recently. You know, I think we, me and Tim would both agree that star Wars Marvel comics have really hit a high point, you know, again, and they've been pretty darn good for the most part. Um, and they're only going to get better here with the high Republic coming out. So 2020, like I said, it, it, what's really crazy is think about this. Uh, the High Republic was going to be uh, released in this year or the, in 2020, not 2021. And so imagine having all of that right now. Star Wars would have been insane.
2: Yeah. that But been to crazy. be honest,
1: but to be honest, I think even though it sucked getting that the light of the Jedi um, much later. I think it actually was a smart business decision. And I actually were very grateful for that because now we have great Star Wars content and, we, and I'm just excited to talk about it on this, on this ep, uh, episode, but a future episode going really deep into the, the high Republic. Cause there's a lot to chew on in there and uh, on both books, I've read both books and the comics. And so, or the comic, I should say one out right now, but, uh, but yeah, it's going to be really exciting. And I think that 2020, again, it was just kind of the year that things kind of shifted in a different direction. But I think, this new direction for Star Wars is, is is one for the better, in my opinion. So I, I think it will go down as a, as a maybe – I think it might go down as the most important year
2: for Star Wars besides the launching
1: of the prequels, in my
2: opinion. Very possibly because um, also obviously it was the year we got the announcement of um, the huge expansion of content coming to Disney True. Plus. With, yeah, you know, I, I didn't think about all the, that. All yeah. the new shows and all that. Um, which obviously we haven't seen any of that stuff yet, but just you know, with that being the year that, like you said, kind of marked the turning point, um, and uh, just given us all this stuff to look forward to, and and kind of marking the beginning of that new direction, um, and then of course now we're into 2021, and let's see what have we got on the slate for this year? We've got the High Republic, obviously, we've got the Bad Batch, uh, which we don't have a release date for yet, but we've got that coming sometime this year. Um, And I assume that'll be probably the next big thing we get. That'll probably be sometime before the middle of the year, I would assume. So maybe like April, May, somewhere around there. Um, We've got uh, the Book of Boba Fett, which we're going to talk about in a second, because that's kind of our our first uh, piece of news. The last time we recorded, we were just kind of speculating about what that teaser at the end of the season two finale meant. Um, and we haven't recorded since we actually got the official announcement of what the Book of Boba Fett is, but that's coming this December. Um, We've also got, as far as video games, I think the only one we have announced for this year is uh, LEGO Star Wars The Skywalker Saga, Um, which uh, you know I know not all of us are huge LEGO fans, but I'm looking forward to that one, and that's... I mean, I I know a lot of people are excited for that, so I think that's going to be a pretty big deal. And that's coming, I think, sometime this spring... Um,
1: You're right. That's a really big deal.
2: <laughs> um,
3: it's the fin of Star Wars games. Yeah. I mean,
2: no one yeah. got that joke. I, <laughs> no, because the first thing I thought of was, wait, it flies now? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I, don't right right that, I don't know why that I'm was the first thing. I don't know why that was the first thing that popped into my head. Um but um, yeah, so we've got we got Lego Star Wars, we got Book of Boba Fett, we've got Bad Batch, we've got High Republic. I mean, that all of that stuff combined—that's a pretty good year, right there. Um, when you consider all of that spread out over the course of the year, and uh, obviously we're kind of in the first wave of the High Republic right now. But I know there's already another novel announced for sometime later this year. Um, so it seems like that's going to continue to just be an ongoing thing um and then once we get the bad batch you know again i'm sure that just like clone wars and mandalorian that's going to be one episode releasing weekly and so that'll probably cover a a good stretch of the year um i'm interested to see how many like how long the or how many episodes are in that first season um i would imagine yeah. maybe like around the same amount as um the clone wars season 7 just cuz streaming shows in general tend to be less episodes per season you know so I'm not expecting like 22 episodes or something but um maybe I'm wrong that's something to think about but I would agree that that's probably what it would be just at the most I think
3: 13 like season 7 was yeah not to expect a full-blown 22 episode season like old Clone Wars and Rebels seasons but
2: yeah definitely but regardless I mean even if it is you know 12 that's three months of the year and then You know, but with all the books and comics and all that kind of stuff, and then leading up to the end of the year, we'll have Book of Boba Fett. So we're still going to have a good amount of Star Wars stuff to keep us going through this year. Um, But is there anything in particular that you guys are are really looking forward to?
3: I mean, it's hard not to (laughs) start with the Book of Boba Fett being something that I didn't even think we were going to get this year up until about a month ago. So (laughs) that immediately shoots up to. The top of my list as far as that and just knowing what an amazing job the mandalorian season two did with bringing boba fett back and this new version and iteration of the character post starlight pit is just was fantastic and i cannot wait to see more of that but um i mean it's all gonna be great bad batch you knew um on the episode where we talked about the announcements for all the shows and we got our first trailer just how blown away i was by how amazing the bad batch looks and just how it almost looks like a Brand new season of Clone Wars as that series is continuing. It just looks on that level. So that's going to be amazing. But after finishing Light of the Jedi, I am just all on board with this High Republic era. So I am excited for whatever content we're going to get for that this year. We know we are getting more novels, young adult books, and comics this year, but maybe there will be some surprise announcements regarding the High Republic that will get released this year. And I'll be excited for that too. So Like you said, 2021 is just looking to continue off that momentum that 2020 started with the Star Wars content we got for that year and just continuing that along into 2021. And um, even though we won't be talking about it on this episode, it's already starting strong with how much I love The Light of the Jedi and just kicking things off on a good note right away. And I just expect that to continue with Mm -hmm. every new content we get um, with The Bad Badge leading all the way up to the end of the year with the Book of Boba Fett and everything in between. And so I am just chomping up the bit to get uh, this stuff released because it all just looks so, so good.
1: Yeah, I think the Book of Boba Fett is probably, like it's, it's almost unfair to put that in there, I feel. Yeah. Because it's agree. like, it's the only live action thing we're going to be getting. So I would say, of course, that goes number one. So everything outside of the Book of Boba Fett, I in mean, pretty much in line with uh with tim i think that the high republic stuff has got me really excited for for star wars because it's it's just all uncharted territory and even though it's not like the old republican where it's you know super uh far back and it's just kind of you know they're kind of they're playing it safe a little bit right now and at least at this point what they've told us they've really i have to say i what i mean we'll talk more details in this later but i'm really impressed with what they've done and they've got me really excited about all the projects they have coming out. And I think, like you said, Tim, they probably have more stuff they're going to announce as they go. Um, they just haven't. They're just not ready for that yet. Um, but the, well, the stuff they have announced, I'm extremely excited about. So I would say right now I'm the most excited for just any High Republic you know, content out there that I can get, which really sucks. I really want to play that, that uh, Tales from the Galaxy's Edge uh, High Republic episode. Really really bad, but I don't have the Oculus, Oculus or whatever the heck it's called. Um And uh hopefully, it'll come on PlayStation VR here soon. But,
2: but oh, yeah, I, for, I, I forgot. That, I see, I have it, and I haven't played it yet. And I forgot that there's a part that's set in the High Republic. But wait, is yeah, that is that like the mission so, that you do as a Jedi where you're with Yoda? Probably, yeah. Oh, okay. That well, I'm gonna, have to, right. I'm gonna have to jump in and play that.
1: Well, and so there's, there's all that, but I'm just, I'm trying to think if there's a comic series they announced that I'm just forgetting that I'm like, man, I remember hearing this and I'm really excited about it, but I can't remember what it was, if it, if it was a comic series in, in particular, but, but no, I, I think the high Republic itself is in the bad batch. I would say high Republic, even though I hate saying that above the bad batch, um, and i really excited about that. The, the trailer we got was unbelievable. I, I could not believe what I was watching as far as how it looked exactly like The Clone Wars and how I couldn't wait to, to see that. So um, really, really excited about that. And, uh, yeah, like it was just kind of – it was crazy. So, yeah, I'm really excited about The High Republic. I, I, again, when we do that episode, it's going to be really cool, I think. I, if, you, if you guys are kind of on the, on, the, on the fence about it you guys can just wait for that episode and hear us talk about it. When we go deep, it's going to be pretty intense in my opinion, in a good way. I think it's going to be a really great, really great conversation.
2: I'll, I'll give you a little heads up now. Like, and I'm only like not quite halfway through the book yet. So I, I got to pick it up and and get through it so that we can get to talking about it. But first impressions right now, when we review it, I'm just going to be gushing about load and great storm the whole time. The rest of you guys can talk about (laughs) all the other little nuances and all that kind of stuff. Um. That sounds fair. <laughs> I've I've got a new favorite, just freaking boss Jedi Master. Um, yeah, I think we all have like a new favorite Jedi character that we're going to be gushing about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, I obviously i'm in the same boat with you guys i think the book of boba fett has to take the top spot especially and especially after seeing how they handled him in mandalorian season two like if you if you told me before the show like before we saw season two if you said there's going to be a boba fett series coming in 2021 i'd be like okay cool um but i'm really excited for it after just seeing what we saw with mandalorian um and knowing who's all involved in that. And after this we'll we'll just jump right into that and break down that announcement, but Bad Batch I'm also super excited for um I'm excited for both of those to watch them on my big new TV and just, you know, get it'll be the first new Star Wars content I get to watch in 4K, so that'll be amazing. Um but yeah, really excited for for the Bad Batch too and uh just seeing kind of following up on the Clone Wars era and and seeing all that new stuff um and i'm excited to dive more into the high republic too and you know like i said just even not having finished the book yet i'm already planning to buy more of the novels and stuff that come out this year so um it's it's exciting for me to have you know obviously i don't read quite as much stuff uh as you guys do um but a lot of it just hasn't really grabbed me so far or felt like a story that like oh i absolutely have to read that and it's it's cool to have a whole new era to get into and feel like there's characters and stories that I can connect with and kind of sink my teeth into and go, okay, I'm going to really get invested in these characters and in this time period and kind of follow this thing all the way through rather than it just being like a side story here or there about the backstory of like Tarkin or Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan or whatever. And not that those books aren't good, but like, you know, I love it when, especially when they do these big like multimedia sort of pushes and when there's a whole era that you can really dive into and each book has like a different aspect or a different character, um, that's the kind of stuff I love. I mean that's that's the way I've always been with Star Wars because even with the old legend stuff, I mean there were so many novels and, and comics and everything and I read a lot of them but I never read all of them and I never tried to or felt like I had to. And I – like basically the Old Republic and the Clone Wars were the two eras that I really kind of stuck to and just like really sunk my teeth into that material and read everything I could – um, with, you know, the old Dark Horse Clone Wars comics and, you know, the novels that took place in between episodes two and three and obviously with KOTOR, like the video games, but also the comics and everything in, in that time period. So, um, well, you know, and, and I'll say, Kyle, I, I think this is something we'll, we'll talk more about on the next episode.
1: I'll just say this kind of previewing what the, what my response will be. I don't blame you. So that, just leave it at that. And, and I that, just put a little pin in that little note that, Let's revisit that, that what you said, because I think that's a great, great point. You haven't really been into like what they've been giving us. And I tend to agree with you. And I think that's something that's kind of worth talking about. So, but yeah, I totally see your see your side of that. Matt.
2: Yeah. And I think we've mentioned that before, too, just even in the build up to the High Republic and getting excited for it. I mean, I, I was excited to get into, you know, again, having this whole new time period where they establish their own characters and, you know, can really just kind of chart their own path and. And give you something to get invested in and follow along with. So I'm loving it so far. Can't wait to talk about all that on the next episode. Um, but let's jump into the official bits of news and stuff here that we've got to talk about now. Um, getting back to the Book of Boba Fett, which, you know, like I said, we got announced a couple days after we speculated about it on our last episode. We got the official press release on StarWars.com. Um and the gist of it is, you know, as we knew from The Mandalorian, we've got The Book of Boba Fett coming December 2021. Uh but it's not The Mandalorian season 3. It is a, a another spin-off series that they hadn't announced during that press conference and had just held off announcing till uh, we all got to see this, uh, you know, the post-credit scene at the end of The Mandalorian. So, uh, Which I'm glad should, they did now. Yeah. It was an awesome surprise. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I mean, I guess like the the announcement of the show itself was wouldn't have been like a spoiler, but then like that post-credit scene, you know, wouldn't have kind of had as much weight. So that was that was a cool, nice surprise to get at the end of the show. Yeah. Um, but yeah, now we've got a whole new Boba Fett series to look forward to. And I think the the biggest thing for me here, and obviously it doesn't really uh, give us any story details or anything, except that it's also going to be set within the timeline of The Mandalorian. Star Tamura Morrison as Boba Fett and Ming-Na Wen as Fennec Shand. And uh, Robert Rodriguez, who directed Chapter 14 of The Mandalorian, joins Dave, uh, Dave Filoni and John Favreau as an executive producer. That, to me, is sort of the most exciting thing is that uh, Robert Rodriguez is sticking around to be involved in involved with this character, because as much as and I kind of complained a little bit about that episode when we reviewed it last season, um, the tragedy, which was the episode he directed. And I think the the main thing that I didn't love was just like the production value and the lighting and the locations and everything. And it was just, you know, a little hard to get into for me. Like, the the action, you know, seeing Boba in action again, but also just the handling of that character I thought was really well done. But then when you watch the Disney gallery for season two, and they talk about his episode, and Robert Rodriguez talked about how big of a Star Wars fan he was as a kid, yep. but particularly how big of a Boba Fett fan he was, he just seemed like the perfect man for the job. And I've said this before, like, I really love when – creators have a deep connection to the source material and, you know, and love it and care about it just as much as us fans do. And I have to say, like, even though the episode by itself still is what it is, like, my appreciation for it went up just knowing how much Robert Rodriguez cares about Boba Fett. Because now I watch it and I go, at least I know this, like, that this was a conscious choice and it wasn't the episode where they just kind of phoned it in or spent more of the budget on other episodes. Like, you know, this was intentional and, you know, you can, um, the, you know, maybe the execution didn't work the best for everybody, but, um, yeah, I, like I said, I think his execution of the character was pretty much perfect. And, again, just seeing, uh, like, it, there's a, a scene in the, the behind-the-scenes stuff where um he made, like, a homemade animatic of the scene where Boba, like, Drops in in the middle of the stormtroopers and starts blasting them, and he filmed it at home with his kids in Star Wars costumes and a bunch of Star Wars action figures, and used that as like a storyboard or an animatic, and showed it to John Favreau and Dave Filoni, and he was like, "Yeah, I know, sorry, it's like low budget and cheesy," and Dave was like, "No, you don't understand. Like this is the freaking coolest thing ever." Um, <laughs> so just, I'm really excited to have, uh, you know, someone with sort of his his caliber and talent level and his enthusiasm for the character uh to be involved with boba's story going forward i think that's gonna be um i don't know i think it's just gonna make for some really cool stuff and some really fun stories
3: yeah i mean you pretty much took the words right out of my mouth there (laughs) as far as what stood out to me in the official press announcement of what i'm excited for about it regardless of just getting a boba fett tv show but after seeing the disney gallery special and seeing the passion that Robert Rodriguez had in bringing Boa Fett back and just kind of knew how important that was. And He's bringing this iconic character back into the Star Wars story again in live action and just how important that was for him. And to see that show through in the episode, um, I still have a hard time deciding what is my favorite episode of season two. And But the tragedy is up there. It I go back and forth between that one and the season finale, to be honest. But... Um, regardless, I'm just glad that he is going to be a producer on this series now, just knowing what a great job he did on reintroducing Boba Fett to not only just the hardcore fans, but just to the whole new audience um, that is watching The Mandalorian as just casual fans and just casual viewers. And just how much I think Boba Fett made an impression on just casual viewers as well. It was just a great job. As I said, I thought they knocked it out of the park with this reintroduction and just knowing that that creative team is going to be involved with the zone series. It's just, uh, it's going to be great. <laughs> and I just think that Robert Rodriguez is kind of going to fit into that um, style and mold that Dave Filoni and John Favreau already have in creating the Mandalorian. Like you said, in referencing that um, animatic <laughs> that he made with the action figures and his kids and just how Dave thought that was the coolest thing. And Robert, I think Robert Rodriguez kind of said, Oh, like I'm with, the right people here or something like mm-hmm. that where yeah oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. he's like oh yeah. these are my people yeah
1: <laughs> yeah these are my people yeah yeah word
3: just knowing they're all on the same page with that just it's just great to see and then knowing that they're going to all be involved in this series is just plenty to get you excited about so yeah i cannot wait glad that they kind of put they quickly put to rest kind of the speculation as far as oh are we going to get mandalorian season 3 is Boba Fett? the book of Boba Fett kind of part of the Mandalorian season three, there's just a lot of speculation going on, but it's definitely its own thing. And even though it kind of sucks that we're going to have to wait a little bit to see season three of the Mandalorian. But I mean, the next best thing is getting a Boba Fett TV show in its place <laughs> before we get mm, the continuation yeah. of Din story. story. So yeah, it's just exciting news all the way around I cannot be more uh, excited for it.
1: I think that I have to say the, I, I like Robert Rodriguez and, and I know I was very, very critical of that episode and it just seems something just seemed kind of just weird about it in some way, ways. And I definitely have watched it a number of times afterwards. And I still feel that my criticisms were semi-valid um, just kind of how it looked, but you kind of helped me, uh, you know, kind of put it in context too, Kyle when you said that it, this was a kind of a last minute thing. And I think he even said that on the, on the Disney gallery, he was kind of, he brought in last minute. It almost felt like, he was trying to kind of give himself an out kind of like for people like me who are kind of like, this seems kind of weird. And he kind of wanted to kind of shoot outside. And I don't know. I, I, when I seen that interview on Disney gallery, it made me appreciate everything in that episode a lot more. Um, I think just seeing his pure heart and how, you know, how he made that video and how Dave like speaks for a lot of us and said, no, you're just like the coolest thing ever. Yeah. Like you know, what you did with your kids and the star Wars action figures. And, And that, and his response was, these are my people. I was like, man, like I, Robert immediately just won me over. He didn't need to, but he won me over in a sense to where I'm like, okay, this guy gets it. Like he, he, he understands like, this is, this is awesome. And I have to say, I definitely feel better about the episode more just after I've watched it a few more times. Um, It's, it, it, again, the, the lighting is probably my, my biggest concern right now. The action was a little over the top for me at times. I was a little like, okay, whatever. But it's also knowing Robert Rodriguez. That's kind of his style. And 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 to be honest, I, I kind of accepted it. Because one of the things he did say, which I thought was interesting, was like, you know, we haven't really seen him in action. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, exactly. And like, you know, Tim, I think we kind of talked about it privately, but or maybe on the our group text with, with Kyle. I don't remember. But we talked about how you know, a lot of people on social media were like, whoa, before, you know, Mandalorian season two, like, Boba it's so overrated, all this stuff. And and you, then you have Robert Rodriguez, who's, you know, older than all of us, you know, but original, you know, you saw Star Wars in the theaters and, you know, as a kid or a young man or whatever. And he admits, like, how cool Boba Fett was. Like, you watch everyone love Boba Fett. Like, you immediately were drawn to him. There was something about him that, you know. He he was kind of going on what made him you know fall in love with the character and everyone you know was the main criticism of Boba Fett in the original trilogy he doesn't do anything. Well, he didn't need to do anything. He like he immediately like just there was something captivating about that character that everyone was was drawn to. And He kind of talked about that and he said, yeah. So when I, they hired me to do this and they said, hey, we got to figure this out and I have a lot. He he knew the pressure of delivering the first real legitimate yeah. like gruesome, you know, kind of guy in action. We, well, yeah, we saw Django, but that's not Boba Fett. And so when he brought it to that, I went, okay, now I get it. Now I knew why he kind of had, it. he, oh, again, the over the top thing is definitely Robert Rodriguez, but I understood a lot better why he went that route for this. Cause he knew he had to go over the top of Boba Fett to pretty much say, you know what? Like this guy, you've been waiting to see him in action without the armor. Like this is, he's, he's a brutal warrior. And we had to show him we had to show him in action with armor mm-hmm. and without armor. And I like that. Yeah, okay.
2: And he even said too, like, regardless of knowing that he's gonna show up again, you know, throughout the rest of the season and knowing that he's gonna get a, get his own spin off series, he's like, I directed this as if it's the only time you're ever gonna see Boba Fett in action, <laughs> yes, and I want exactly. it to, and I want it to be satisfying and feel like you've seen everything you needed to see. And, and I feel I like think- he really delivered on that.
1: No, no, exactly. I think that's where I was like, okay. And I think after I watched the Disney Gallery episode and I watched the episode a a few more times after that, I said to myself, I get it. I 100% see this episode in a different light now. And hearing that context with him, it made me appreciate it so much more. And now, even though, again, there's a couple things where I'm like, okay, this looks a little fan-filmy still. I'm sorry, I'm just going to say that right now. I am 100% in love with the fact we're getting a Bo- book of Boba Fett TV show with him as in the background running things because he totally gets the character already, and I think that's the thing that I loved about it was like everyone complained about who's doing a thing, and he totally acknowledge- he basically totally acknowledges that without saying it. I mean, I'm not saying he's on Twitter like you know with a, with a burner account being like no, he's no, he's awesome. Like he's not doing that <laughs> not by any means, but. He understands the criticism and he knew how much was writing on all these hardcore fans like us who loved Boba Fett from the, the beginning and defended Boba Fett. And from these people who were like, Boba Fett's so stupid. Ugh. And then finally we get Boba Fett in the Mandalorian and all of a sudden he's like the biggest thing ever. And now everyone's super stoked for Boca Boba Fett for good reason. Cause it's amazing. So, I mean, that's the thing people like he knew that and he nailed it. And even though it wasn't my favorite uh, episode necessarily, I love that episode even more now, and and I'm like, okay, I totally get it. I love it, and I think you couldn't you couldn't come up with a better uh, executive uh, producers with Dave, Robert, and John all working together. That's going to be, I th- I'm my prediction right now. I don't think the Book of Boba Fett's going to be like season two good necessarily. I think it's going to be probably like more like Mandalorian season one, where it's it's going to be probably hit and miss, but the one thing i i think that you can guarantee it's going to be just fun all the way around you may not love every episode it's may not hit it's not going to hit everyone the same way obviously like star wars normally doesn't do but i do think that it's going to be a fun romp and i and i say that in the sense where it's not like a fun romp meaning like it's going to be a little over the top at times probably because it's robert rodriguez not to the extent of that episode but it's going to be just like something we haven't really seen before in star Wars, which is probably even grimier than what the Mandalorian's given us. And it's just going to be a lot of like just crazy, crazy ideas kind of thrown into it. And and again, I think that it's going to be at least a very entertaining show. And I, I think right now my prediction is that the show is going to be considered like just a really, really fun thing. It's not going to be mind blowing like the season, like season two Mandalorian, um, but it's going to be just a really fun, like just season. And, and it's, I think people are going to, it's gonna People are going to talk about that. Like being like, yeah, like we can't wait because it's, it's just what is so ridiculous. What's going on. I, I just, I feel it's going to be, instead of being the excitement of like, Who, who's going to show up this week, it's just going to be like this kind of like what what insane things gonna happen on you know Bo- book of Boba Fett of like what's Boba Fett gonna who's gonna disintegrate tomorrow <laughs> Yeah exactly like a, <laughs> who's, who's that, Boba that Fett kind of blow thing that, that's what I mean it's it's gonna be like what insane ridiculous over the top thing are we gonna see this week That's what I think we're gonna get in the book of Boba Fett which if that's the case sign me up I'll take yeah. that every day
2: Yeah definitely Well not only are we gonna see some insane stuff and some cool action but also like I really genuinely love the the way that Tamara Morrison portrayed that character. Um, absolutely. Yeah. Like, just specifically in this season and just, you know, the way that they developed him and, and the way they've written and just sort of, um, you know, fleshed out that character. So I'm really interested in it just from, you know, sort of a dramatic perspective too, to see what story they're going to tell. And of course, to see Boba in action and see the armor and slave one and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I also love, too, just from watching that Disney gallery, not only do we see Robert Rodriguez super involved in it, and obviously the fact that, you know, you put him together with Dave and John, and you know they're going to come up with some fun Star Wars stuff, but the fact that Tim Morrison cared enough about it to really, like, bring his own ideas to the table, too, and to really take it seriously and wanting to do that character justice, and the fact that he's you know that he had the Gaffy stick and was taking out all the stormtroopers that was his idea and he wanted to in uh incorporate some of his own like maori culture with uh you know like traditional weapons that he'd been trained with and doing the haka and all that kind of stuff and so they um you know that like the way the scenes with him fighting with the the Gaffy stick all came from the result of him wanting to incorporate that and uh I mean, it's hard to imagine, like, just watching the episode now, it's hard to imagine a a version of that episode where that wasn't in there, you know? It's like, I guess they maybe Mm would have just had him with Fennec, like, blasting stormtroopers, but um, that's just already such a kind of iconic scene when you think of, like, cool Boba Fett moments. Um, So I love that, too, when, you know, not just with producers, but with actors who really care about it and really get into the role and bring their own ideas to the table and, um want to kind of make it personal and and really just fill those shoes. So just excited to have him back and, uh, just, yeah, just excited that we're getting more Boba Fett content. They've definitely made a believer out of me. Yeah. And as I said before, just
3: coming to where we started off with the rumors and stuff about a potential Boba Fett movie to where we are finally at now with officially, (laughs) knowing that we're getting a TV show with him and already getting a sneak preview of it, kind of what to expect with how Boba was brought back and portrayed in season two of the Mandalorian. I just could not be happier as a lifelong fan of the character to be at this point now to where we started when we just heard all these rumors about spin-off films and the potential of what Boba, uh, what Lucasfilm was going to do with Boba Fett. And even the worry I had of what they potentially might do or retcon, so to say, but um, it all worked out in the end to where we're getting his own TV show and What we can expect from what we already saw of the character in the Mandalorian season two is, yeah, like I said, cannot be happier right now than to what to expect from seeing one of my favorite Star Wars characters uh, going up back in the early 90s now to at this point of. Only what I could have dreamed of at that time. would <laughs> not even think it could ever be a reality, and here we are. It's almost there.
2: <laughs> yeah, no doubt. The, I'll end on no, this. No, sorry, just real quick. I was going to say, no doubt the Boba Fett movie, the Boba Fett spinoff film getting canceled was a blessing. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Totally agree.
1: And, and, but, you know, it, I, in ending on that with me, I, I, I tweeted out, because I, I got to say, I don't like talking about drama on here. But the only thing I'm going to say is I really just disliked everyone's kind of attacking of the character the last couple of years. Just acting like no one, Why did anyone like this character? It was just kind of insulting, to be quite honest. Um, just, just again, you don't have to like something. That's fine. But like to act like how how could anyone possibly like this character or whatever, because no, he didn't do anything. It's like you're kind of insulting me because of how much that that character carried the 90s, basically for Star Wars before the prequels. Um, you know, and all the, the EU that was written about him and his Mandalorian culture, it was just kind of a bummer for me. So I just had to do a little bit of a jab when, uh when everyone was praising back in the day when his movie was movie was canceled. Uh, and and then all of a sudden, like the book of Boba Fett, you know, happens, and I put a a, a gif of Ash from Evil Dead 2 going, Who's laughing now? you know, with a big chainsaw, and I'm just like <laughs> You know, I don't know. I just had to say that because I—how I, ironic is it that you know everyone's like, ha, ha, "That movie's so dumb. Why would we want to do that?" And now we're getting a TV show, and everyone's all excited. I think the irony is just out of control with that. And I think it, I think it's awesome. I, I, I honestly am really excited for the character because, yeah, I, I we could talk for hours on both of that. I really could because I think the season because yeah. the subtle because the subtleties—not just in that episode, but the episodes afterwards—yeah, totally. even minus. Even minus the end credit scene, there's a lot of subtleties that they mm-hmm. put in that character. I think we could talk. Well, maybe we'll talk about it one day. Uh, you know, our pre uh, uh, Book of Boba Fett show, episode or something like that, when they're trailer or whatever. But um, there's a lot of subtleties in those episodes we can read deep, really heavily into, which is really cool. So yeah, this is going to be. I like I said, I think it's going to be a fun, fun romp of a show, and I think it's a. I think it's going to be just exciting to talk about, obviously, but I think just more of just like how fun and ridiculous it's going to be
2: hmm. Yeah, so definitely looking forward to that coming at the end of this year. Um, and then aside from that, really the only other like movie and TV news that we have is that um, Variety uh, reported that uh, Kevin Feige's Star Wars movie um, has hired the executive producer of Loki, Michael Waldron, um, as a writer, or I guess he's not the executive producer, but one of them that's probably got multiple executive producers as all this stuff does. But, um, yeah, so he's, he's an executive producer on the Loki series and has been hired to write uh Kevin Feige's star Wars movie. Um, so good to know that that's still happening and, uh, you know, just a small update on another upcoming star Wars film. Um, also Disney recently announced or just sort of released, uh, You know, their upcoming slate of films, and this is more like an investor kind of thing, just a timeline of stuff that they've got lined up for the next several years, and um, they have the Star Wars film on there for 2023, which we know is Patty Jenkins' uh, Rogue Squadron movie, Um, 2025, which we know is Taika Waititi's, and then they also had a movie on there for 2027. So I would assume the fact that we're, you know, still hearing stuff and getting little updates about Kevin Feige's movie, that'll probably be the one for 2027. Um, but obviously that's so far off at this point. You know, who knows what that movie is going to be about or who's going to be in it or anything. There's going to be a long time before we're really speculating about story and trailers and all that for that one. But uh, it's still coming.
3: Yeah, I'll just say after reading the High Republic or the first High Republic novel, Light of the Jedi, and just knowing just how a lot of these stories in the High Republic are going to be connected with each other, it just made me think who would be the perfect one to kind of do the first movie of the High Republic that connects with all these previous stories. Kevin Feige sounds like the would be a good choice to do that for a movie. So right now, my hope is that Kevin Feige's Star Wars movie is set in the High Republic era because knowing, or I shouldn't say knowing, but this how much I enjoyed the first story and I think the potential that this era has we're eventually going to get a movie at some point set in there. So hopefully by 2027, we'll be at that point where we'll be getting a movie set in the high Republic.
2: Yeah. It wouldn't yeah. surprise me. I mean, we know we're getting a series set in that time period. So. Mm-hmm.
1: L- listen, I, as someone who, this is a whole episode in and of itself, to be quite honest. Uh, I, Kevin Feige, I thought was really interesting. A couple other things you should probably uh, bring up as well, Kyle, is that, uh, you know, there's a lot of rumors about him like, you know, doing more Star Wars stuff. And he's very adamant been like, nope, this is it, one and done. Like just like this is it. And if you and I, I'm not surprised. I wouldn't have been surprised if, if you know he was laying low. But before I I I thought it was definitely a possibility he could be more involved in Star Wars when he took pretty much took over running Marvel as a whole, not just the movies, but the entire company or part of Disney, meaning the comic books as well. Like overseeing everything, I kind of made me go. Mm, that's probably not going to happen. Um, the movie was. It seemed like more of like, hey, let's throw this to Kevin because he's really smart and he really wants. Well, he, he loves Star Wars. He's a, he's a legit Star Wars fan. Um, you know, like he's a giant Star Wars fan. So, what I would say, Tim, on the High Republic, I don't think that's going to happen. I, I do think, however. Um, there could be. I think honestly, to be, and I know this sounds weird, and I, I've argued with, our, my, with my podcast partner Sean about this a number of times. I think there's a more likely you could possibly see him do an old republic adaptation of something more than the high republic, only because that he, he's a you know longtime Star Wars, a hardcore Star Wars fan. I, again, he has not said anything of, you know that he, this is part of his thing, but I could see him doing an old republic adaptation because. considering what he's what he's known for he's known for taking star wars uh or Wars marvel characters and taking their original stories and adapting them into films and and he's brilliant at it i mean come on he's one of the most successful producers of all time and i would argue that you know or and say that hey he's a genius but let's be real he's taking our existing material and producing it to a mass audience and packaging it a certain way where people are like eating it up. and he's But again, it is Kevin Feige, but he's using a lot of existing stuff. That's kind of his specialty. And I'm very curious what, especially with WandaVision, how great that's been, that's still borrowing a lot from different um, Marvel stories that have already existed or they're just interpreting. Now there's different spins on them. So I guess with all that being said, I would not be shocked if he did take something that's already been uh, adapted a bunch of times or there's a bunch of stuff already there that he could just go in mind what he wants and put out a story he wants to tell and to be honest i think that's a very high possibility i know sean disagrees with me and he's a kevin feige expert i mean literally no one knows probably more about sean than kevin feige and sean gerber probably themselves (laughs) so and i'm not joking so he kind of disagrees with me on that one but at the same time we don't know he does we don't know how much of a big fan he is if he loves that stuff but it wouldn't surprise me if i mean he was still probably what, what in his like probably early mid twenties when that uh, old republic game came out, and that game was huge. Mm-hmm. And you well, know, and
0: even
2: so- even if he wasn't necessarily a huge fan of it or hasn't played the game or whatever, I mean, I could certainly see him being someone that Disney might want to go to if they're looking for somebody specifically who's good at um, adapting pre-existing stories if they are wanting to do that. My only issue with that would be, and as someone who obviously is a huge Old Republic fan and wants to see that stuff become canon and wants to see those stories told and would love nothing more than an Old Republic you know, movie trilogy or film series or something like that, I don't want a one-and-done film adaptation, like just one movie trying to adapt the whole story of the video game or something like that. Um Now, it could be something where you know, just like with The High Republic, like we know we're getting the Acolyte series that's set in The High Republic, but that series itself is not all-encompassing of The High Republic, because obviously you've got the novels and all that kind of stuff, so if it's right. maybe a movie that's just meant to sort of kick off the Knights of the Old Republic era and then they're going to spin that off into you know, series or comics or, you know, somebody else is going to keep making movies or something like that. I could be okay with that. But um, yeah, I, I wouldn't want them to hire Kevin to try to, you know, make one movie that captures everything that people love about that whole time period and just have that be the one thing. So I think that would well, be so too I, much I, even for no. I, I, I say too think much so. even for him to chew, but you know, he, he could make a good movie and, and capture some of those elements, but it wouldn't, you know, I don't there's, think there's, there's going to, yeah. there's way more, to, there's way more to it that people are going to want than what you can fit in just one movie. No, no. I think that's the thing I think that you're, I'm trying to explain is that I don't,
1: or, or I was gonna say was that I, I don't know if I've heard this somewhere, but it seems like they're focusing on one movies now. Like there's not like really trilogies anymore. It's pretty much like one movie. And everyone's getting one movie. Think about that. Like,
2: you know, technical well, right, is right. producing
1: right. one movie. It, no,
2: and that what, makes and, that makes sense. I'm just saying if that's the model they're doing, I don't want somebody just making one movie about the old republic.
1: But I but see, this is where I, you have to understand. I think this is where I think my comic book culture kind of comes into play here. It's a please barge in if you, if I, if I'm out of turn here. But what I would interpret that as is more of it's not just one movie. Just saying here's the Old Republic in one movie. It's not like gonna be that. It's literally gonna be one single story set that's maybe not even remotely tied to what the old material was trying to do. Because the genius of Kevin Feige is that he takes these aspects of these characters and he makes them even more. Or he takes these really complex stories he simplifies them and by doing that and, and a lot of times they're very you know even though they're all interconnected you know from the marvel universe i have full faith that kevin could would could be able to pick some story aspects now again it may not even be like winter soldier is a great example right like the winter soldier is very heavily borrowed from the ed brubaker story now the problem is is that or i say the problem is not really a problem but the thing is that it's not really a straight adaptation by any means. It's heavily taken different aspects of Captain America's uh, stories and weave together a different version of this movie. Now, all the things that you want are there. All the story beats and things that you need are there. And that's the genius of Kevin, is that he knows what is pivotal and what needs to be there to satisfy the fans, but also satisfy mainstream moviegoers and making both parties happy. And that's where I think the genius of Kevin Feige is. He knows exactly the things that you will want, Kyle, out of that movie or out of that. Again, again, assuming let's assume that he's doing that. I would say if we heard that tomorrow, I would tell you without a doubt like you, you're going to be just fine. Don't worry. I mean, if, if it's a whole brand new story, all bets are off because I don't know what he's, what he's done for a brand new out of the blue story. I mean, I know The Eternals is a little more heavily influenced by Kevin um, and they're, are taking a lot of like, you know, liberties with that one because no one really cares about the internals to be quite honest. And I don't blame them because it's not very good anyway. Uh, but I digress. But my point is this, is that there's not a lot out there that you c- that we can uh, get from and, and go, yeah, I'm confident Kevin can write an original story and knock it out of the park. I don't know that. But the thing is, I don't know, um, what I will say if he's taking a, if he's adapting different stories, like from the older public, something like that. I think you should feel like you should sleep with a smile on your face because he's going to – he knows that's his bread and butter. And I, honestly, I think I'd be ecstatic if that was the case because I don't think there's anyone out there better who would be – uh, how about this? There's no one out there better that would be able to kick off the Old Republic storytelling or at least get, introduce the mainstream audience to that world
2: better than Kevin Feige. No, 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 not, and just that, I, and not just I would,
3: the world, but those specific characters that exactly. we all know yeah, yeah, from yeah, the yeah, first game. Yeah, yeah, no,
2: yeah. and and that I would not argue with you on. And that's kind of the point I'm getting at. If it's a kickoff, I'm fine with that. I'm not saying that he needs to direct a whole series or you know a whole series of movies or a whole right. Disney Plus series. Or right. I just and I don't think they would do this, but I wouldn't want them to say, "Okay, Kevin, you're in charge of adapting the Old Republic. Give us one movie, and that's it." you know, but if no, no, that,
1: that's not going to happen. No, 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 no.
2: Yeah, no, but honest, I mean, if I'm being completely honest at this point, I probably would rather get the old Republic as a, a Disney plus series. Um, just because not, not me, bro. It, well, see, it, it's more, bro, well, it, here's, here's We're, the thing. It's more due to the fact that because they are doing this model of like one off movies now. And, and, you know, just a director gets one movie and, and, it's not going to be, you know, trilogies or whatever. Like I would love to see an older public movie trilogy. Um, right. Right. And right. I guess if we get one movie and then it kicks off like some comics or a or, series of uh, films. Yeah. Or, well, no, I mean, but like you were just saying, it doesn't seem like they're doing a series of films.
1: Well, be- because I, they're not going out right and saying, this is a trilogy because of, again, ryan johnson's whole
2: thing yeah i'm trying to yeah. be up ryan johnson but you get what i'm saying Like as much as i like ryan johnson and the last jedi even i will admit at this point like i'm not saying he's his trilogy is never happening but who knows if it's ever going to happen like they, they definitely prematurely real. jumped the gun on that one um but i will Thinking say about, think- i i will say this and, you know, like you said, this could be its own episode and we could speculate about this for days.
1: <laughs> yes.
2: First of all, I would love to see Old Republic anything. If they Even if they announce Kevin Feige is just doing one Old Republic movie, like, I would be happy with that. I just want more. And I, I'm sure that he would make one good movie and he's not going to try to cram everything into one movie. Like, the, the story beats and the characters and stuff that he puts in there would make for a, a good story. I'm just going to want them to continue that and keep delving into that world and, you know, developing those characters and storylines and stuff. Um, But I got to give you credit, Paul, because you, you were beating this drum way back, like when they first announced Disney Plus about the future of Star Wars being on TV. And I've reached a point now where I'm way more excited for the TV series than I am for the movies. Like, and that might change as we get closer and we start getting trailers for the movies and stuff. But, you know, just the... I don't know, it seems like they've got a much better grasp on what they're doing with the the Disney Plus series. At least the stuff around mm-hmm. the Mandalorian, the fact that we're getting, you know, Dave and John and Robert Rodriguez and all these guys, you know, in right, charge right, of this right. one group of stories where you've got the Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett and The Rangers of the New Republic and Ahsoka and it's all going to kind of be mm-hmm, mm-hmm. its own little self-contained, you know, group of stories. Right. I'm more excited to see that stuff continue than I am to see, uh, you know, ex-director over here directing a spinoff or a, a standalone film about whatever they're doing. As much as, I mean, I'm I'm excited for Patty Jenkins' movie. I'm excited for Taika Waititi's movie. Those guys are talented directors. Although I also must admit, I'm not trying to take digs at anybody here, but uh, my excitement for, for Patty Jenkins' movie kind of went down a little bit after seeing Wonder Woman 84, because I definitely did not like that one as much as the first one, but can't say um, I
3: blame you, but
2: <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean, obviously it's, I, I still have faith in her that, you know, she can do a good star Wars movie, but um tough audience. You're just here. having, you know, now having more of a sample of her work to, to go off of. Cause I mean the only thing I had seen that she had directed before was the first wonder woman, which I loved and seeing the second one, I was like, okay, so not everything she touches is gold, but you know, we'll see. Um Y'all can't be the last Jedi count.
1: <laughs> <laughs> sorry i, I, I i'm had, not I, even I,
2: sure if that's supposed to be i i like... know
1: i know i know i want I, I, to I really this is such a great topic i love this by the way this is such this is, this is what i live for these conversations i think that one thing i'm going to push back on the over public you know idea it, it, here and we've talked about this already i think even privately guys listen the thing is with theatrical films we all know is the budgets right like we get the more the, the smaller sample size you have of something you can throw and make it look just insane. Now, I want to I want to think about this for a second. Okay. The reason why I don't, I wouldn't just want it on the the I think I'll take a Disney Star Wars series anything, right? What's at this point, like they and they're giving us lots of different things, which is great. I'm all down for whatever at this point because they've they have they have that pretty much locked down for whatever reason they've got it locked down at this point. And hopefully they continue. But I I have full faith in in the TV part of, of Lucasfilm. As far as the film aspect goes, here's the thing where I argue against this. And I want to just put, I want to paint this picture for both of you guys and all of you in the audience here. I want you to think about what would be just an insane – and now let me finish before you guys chime in here. What would be the most insane thing to see on screen for the Old Republic? And I'm going to tell you right now, think about it. Mandalorian Wars. The Jedi versus the Mandalorians. You already have – Jedi are a are, 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 are household name already before the Mandalorian came out. Now the Mandalorian TV series, everyone already knows who the Mandalorians are. What the, At this point, they are essentially a household name now as well. And you already have established in the canon that those wars existed, that the reason why Mandalore is laid to waste is not just because of the Empire, but because there was a big, giant battle between the Mandalorians and the Jedi. Imagine a, even if it's uh, a one film or it's a trilogy, they could they could announce it as a trilogy, but let's we'll just say it's this one film and it's just a, 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 about the Mandalorian Jedi wars or one war or whatever. Imagine that on one screen, how with all of the, the top line special effects, you know, not scripting, you know, the budget really, but going full fledged, you know, movie budget two and a half hour film about the Jedi versus Mandalorian war that would be insane. And you would get a lot of butts in seats just based off the premise alone. And I'm sure it'll look amazing. You know, hopefully as long as Ryan Johnson's not a part of it, hot start. just kidding. I'm just kidding. But you get what I'm saying? No, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm mostly who are, you, okay. Okay. Who I'm are no. you
2: kidding, Paul?
1: All right. I'm mostly joking. <laughs> no, but, but seriously here, think about it. That would be insane. And I would much rather have that in a two and a half hour balls to the wall, like just, insane special effects going crazy than a eight hour you know or an eight episode series you know again I, I'll take either I'll take anything I get but if I had a choice in something like that I'll take that on screen if it's an Old Republic kind of story thats or a story that's based in the Old Republic that's on Disney plus and it's a you know maybe a, a more self-contained story or it's not as galaxy reaching story that's fine too you get what I'm saying it depends on what story you want to tell. And I think that that to me is something worth being on the the big screen for. That I would, I mean, I think me and a lot of people out there that aren't huge Star Wars fans or aren't like giant ones like us would go and sit their butts in multiple times, even with their families, if it's like a Jedi versus the you know Mandalorians. And think about this: think about the kind of storytelling you could tell. With like basically two sides having like a good and a bad side. I mean, like there's good people who don't want a war on both sides, and there's bad people who want war on both sides. I mean, there's so much you could do with that, and and, a, and a really you know I think in the medium of film, not just TV series, but the medium of film, and having a really short, concise, compact, insane action-packed looking film that people would go nuts for. And I think it just really depends on what you want. And I think the Old Republic is ripe for something like that. So for me. If we're going over public, let's go let's go big and I want to go big something like the Mandalorian wars. So that's where I'm going to go with that.
2: And I completely that's- agree with you except I need more than just one movie. And I think you went, well, that's well, no, no, no. and thing and, you and here's the thing more. here's the thing. I it, like you said it depends on how deep they want to go with it and what kind of stories they want to tell, but if cuz again, if If this is every director just gets one movie and it's all like each movie is about different characters and set in a different time period. And it's like, Kevin, here, your movie is The Old Republic. I would rather have a series because you can get more into this. You can tell more story and and spread it out more and explore more storylines and more characters over the course of multiple seasons of a TV series. What I really would love is a movie trilogy because I agree with you that that scale of action just a a galactic war between the Jedi and the Mandalorians like I want to see that on the big screen but then especially if you're going to be adapting any of the Legends kind of stuff the fact that that then gives rise to Darth Revan and the Jedi Civil War and Revan and Malak and all the stuff that you see in the Knights of the Old Republic games it's like you can't do Mandalorian Wars and just stop there and have that be a one and done film um so, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm torn because I would love to see it on the big screen, and but I also just would love to see as much of that story explored as possible. And if I had to choose between one movie and a series, I'd pick a series. But if there was a potential for a movie that sort of kicked off an era of storytelling across different mediums, or if there was a possibility for a movie series, then I would take that.
1: So, and the only reason why I say one film is because I think the again the days of announcing trilogies are over. They want just like how the 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 Game of Thrones uh, the double Ds, they were basically going to be kicking off a a new series of films, and it wasn't going to be a trilogy. And they were just said they said series, meaning they wanted to see the how it how. played out and, or how it, you know the response was but, you know from the, the audience and you know gross and all that stuff that's where i think the future is as far as film goes nothing's going to nothing's going to be greenlit on film that's going to be automatically sequel there's going to be options for sequels of course and but as far as announcing a whole like trilogy those days are over and i think that's for the better because you got because honestly you want to wait and see what the reaction is going to be and I think that's fair, but that's what I'm saying. If you put a movie like that out there, it's probably gonna get a sequel. And I think that's my point is that there's gonna be, like if you put out something that's really crazy and nuts like that, it's gonna be successful, I think. It's like print money, in my, my opinion, at this point. Um, I mean, you could mess it up, I guess. I mean, let's, Disney has messed things up in the past, but at the same time, I just think that's a, that's a no-brainer. And I think that you have to go into it assuming that if it's good, there's going to be a sequel. There's going to be more films. And that's why I think you have to remember is that there's going to be more than just one one movie. And that's what, again, unless it's just terrible, but I don't think it's going to happen. But assuming that there's going to be more than one film, but if you had to, like, again, or have to tell a story on a bigger budget on, like, shorter time, I, that's the one thing I'd, I, I would take that over, is a big war-like thing like that, not over just, you know, eight episodes. Because we've seen over the, even with The Mandalorian, as much as I love The Mandalorian, uh, Tim, what is what is one thing that I, when we did our rewatch together, just the two of us, what did I talk about the whole time? Or not the whole time, but I brought up multiple times. <laughs> Hallways? Hallways. <laughs> There's always fights. And again, this is not a knock on the series at all. It's just they're they're making do with the budget, and it looks phenomenal. But everything's a smaller scale because they can't go big very much. I mean, that first episode is, is arguably the biggest episode of the season as far as scale. And that still wasn't that that big compared to what it, you know a film could be. I mean, and that's my point, is that you want to go big for something like Mandalorian Wars or something like that. But if it's just like a simple, like, you know, like, for instance, Light of the Jedi, the book, that book, you know, you could, you know, besides a few major scenes, you probably could do that book on a TV budget, you know, for the most part. Um so I, or even all, uh, the comic book or the, the the young reader novel, those are both things that you could do on a lower budget, um, or a smaller, you know, not quite a film budget, and, and and make do with it. So it really depends on the scale, the type of story you want to tell. And I think if you're telling an all-out war, especially if it's a Jedi versus Mandalorians, I'll sacrifice a few character moments and like you know character development for some nonstop action with some good characterization. So again, that's my preference. But that, I think that to me is what's going to happen in the future of these Star Wars films. They're not going to be like, here's the Old Republic trilogy. They're going to say, here's a movie set in the Old Republic and then go from there. And once those are successful, then you'll see a branding of Old Republic series of films kind of thing.
2: Yeah. And I'm not saying that I need a trilogy announced right off the bat. I'm just saying I need right, right. more than one. Um, I agreed. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. But anyway, and I'll I'm just re-
3: say uh, real quick, the idea of the Old Republic movie focusing first on the Jedi versus the Mandalorians and that war. To be honest, that's not something I kind of thought about when you take and you consider a Knights of the Old Republic movie. You think Jedi versus Sith, and that's something that we've talked about. Have seen a massive epic scale war between Jedi and Sith, and how awesome that would be, and how cool that still would be. But now that you mentioned it, Paul, I do really think it makes total sense to start off with the Jedi versus Mandalorian and the war they had, just for the reasons you said about how. Mandalorians and their culture has is becoming like a household name now and how familiar yep. people are with that and how they have Specifically mentioned the war between the Jedi and the Mandalorian That would be something that people would want to see more so than maybe Jedi versus the Sith when you're just talking about uh, More of the casual type fans who are watching the Mandalorian where us hardcore okay. fans know about the old Jedi versus Sith battles um, You don't get too many mentions of those in the actual movie. You know that the Sith and the Jedi are were kind of – the Sith are the ancient enemy of the Jedi, but not specific mentions of wars that they'd have unless right. you're a hardcore fan. And, and but, think about but,
1: this. Oh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead.
3: No, just saying, reiterating how the Mandalorian-Jedi war has been established already in episodes of the Mandalorian and even in Rebels. So it just make, wouldn't make sense to start with that before we get to any – Jedi versus Sith stuff. But at the same time, it goes to your point as far as having a Knights of the Holy Republic series of movies and not just having to be in one, a one or done thing. Or if that is the case going to be in TV series, that would be an option too. But I agree where to do those big Epic scale battles to do them. I think the justice that they deserve would be a movie would be ideal, but at the same time too, you would need to have it where it is planned out almost as a series would but you're doing yeah, it yeah exactly yeah, yeah.
1: well and, and and really i think think about this i'm curious what you guys would, would say uh what would be a, what would require a higher budget now you could argue this is hard to, you know it's, this is more uh, complex i think than just saying that you know just outright but just bear with me here like so what i would in my opinion and i'm curious if you'd agree I think if you had to do a war between a bunch of guys with lightsabers against each other, would be cheaper to do in a series opposed to a bunch of a big war against Mandalorians and Jedi. Depending on all the jetpacks and stuff and all the technology that they use. Now I know the Sith Empire has been, you know, is is existed in canon now, and you they have like you know an empire like with you know troops and things like that too. But if we're talking just strictly lightsabers versus lightsabers. That's you can do that on the a TV budget. You know, it's not that to me, that's not that complicated. I mean, you can keep it pretty reasonable at that point, in my opinion. So I feel like if you're telling that kind of a story, that's 100 percent a TV story. If you want to tell a big war between, again, Mandalorians, that's going to probably look better on screen or on, on a big screen. I now, mean, granted, like a uh, sits on, you know, people beating each other with lightsabers on the big screen would be amazing too. Don't get me wrong. But if you had, you had to choose between the two of them, in my opinion, I'd go bigger budget Mandalorian war. I'd say that I'd do the TV series with the Sith, uh, the Sith, uh, you know, lightsabers versus lightsabers. Curious what you guys would choose.
2: I think I would actually pick opposite only because we've already seen the Mandalorian demonstrate like you can do really cool Mandalorian action on a TV budget and even seeing the jump in quality from season one to season two. And I talked about this when we were reviewing the episodes, the fact that like in season one, when you see Mandalorians in action, like in the flashback scenes, when you see the death watch coming and shooting the battle droids and stuff like it's cool, but like they're moving kind of slow and you can obviously tell it's like stunt guys being lifted up and down on wires And season two, that jetpack action is a lot faster and looks a lot more like what we're used to seeing in Clone Wars and Rebels. Um, And you've got, you know, Mandalorians flying, using their jetpacks to, like, do aerial kicks and, you know, it's just a a lot more fluid motion and stuff like that. And so, um, you know, having them against uh, against, uh, a handful of Jedi or whatever... Um, And, I mean, obviously, like, regardless on t- on a TV budget, you're going to have smaller scale battles and stuff, but I think they've already proven themselves pretty well with the Mandalorian action that that would work well on the small screen. Now, if it's just, like you're saying, skirmishes between groups of Jedi and Sith Lords, that obviously could work on a TV budget as well, but when you get into, like, the history of that era, it's not just Jedi Knights versus Sith, it's like the Republic versus the Sith Empire, and the Jedi are leading Republic troops into the into battle. The Sith have their own troops, and so you would have—I mean, this—you'd have the hallmark Star Wars, you know, space battles and and all that kind of stuff. And you'd have fleets going at it. You'd you'd have Jedi and Sith charging into battle, leading armies yeah, against sir. each other. So that's more the kind of thing that I would want to see on the big screen. Now, yes, again, you could do just some Jedi and Sith fighting each other and do that on a TV budget, but, um. I think I think it would be easier to do on a TV budget have like small groups of Jedi and Mandalorians fighting each other and just sort of incorporate into the story that this is indicative of what's going on all across the galaxy and like what we're seeing is just part of this galactic war going on and I think that would be pretty easy to believe. Um, but I think yeah, I think if you're gonna do Jedi and Sith and Jedi leading the Galactic Republic, forces against the whole you know Sith Empire I'd want to see that just go big on the big screen fleets armies the whole nine
3: yeah I mean I kind of want both (laughs) to be on the big screen because the both make excellent cases as far as how big in scale that you could do in a battle between Jedi versus Mandalorian and battle versus Jedi or Jedi versus Sith and when you talk about Jedi versus Sith and how big their armies can be. And one that sticks out to me is the battle of Rusan, that comic that introduces Darth Bane and that big battle that kind of wiped out the Sith and destroyed a lot of numbers of the Jedi where just the things that went on in that battle were pretty big. You got like these warships going against each other, ground battles and having the thought bomb go off and just annihilating everyone in its path. I just imagine the, prologue of The Fellowship of the Ring when <laughs> the ring gets destroyed you see that like, big energy go off against a huge battlefield, stuff like that and how epic that could be So, uh, just you can make cases for both so wanting to see on the big screen but and then on the TV front you think of how it could be done and have that big epic scale as well, you think on Game of Thrones and the Battle of the Bastards episode where how epic and movie like that was, where you could do Jedi versus Sith with their lightsabers have big battles like that and still have that same epic effect that you're looking for for a battle between those two armies. So um, it can be done successfully both ways, I would think. But obviously, ideally, when you want to go for that big movie budget and think of um, what you can do with that and the scale that you could even do more so than you would on TV, obviously you'd want that ideally. But I think you could both, if you obviously you can't, you can do two, but <laughs> you don't want to tell the same story twice um, in the different medium. So if you were to pick and choose one, I think they could both be successful, really successful, um, either way you go with it. But I think for right now, ideally, we, we kind of still talk about, as uh, how amazing the Mandalorian TV show is and how we're expecting the rest of the TV shows to be, where the movies kind of have to take a, nub a notch, I guess, to kind of have it feel like a big event to go see a star Wars movie and to set itself apart from the TV shows that are already doing a great job. Um, and to have big battles against Jedi and Mandalorians or Jedi and Sith, that would be, have that Epic feel or an event that you have to go to the theater to see something that you're not going to see on any of the TV shows. And I think those type of huge scale battles would be something to draw audiences to a movie theater to see these type of battles that you just can't see on the TV shows. So ideally, that's the way I would want to go. But at the same time, too, you can make definitely make it work on um, the TV budget and scale that we're seeing so far on The Mandalorian. And honestly, too, you, you know, it just things are going to get better and better as the years go by with TV production and the technology that they're using here to probably get it. I don't want to say close to movie theater, but to a point where it's something – that you won't think too much about as you're watching it, thinking, mm, this is awesome, but imagine it as a movie. You would just be thinking that this is awesome, period, and not the other way around. So um, it's going to be interesting to see what they go with that because we know that stories have to be told at some point. <laughs> we get, we talk about it. We speculate about it. Kathleen Kennedy has even said that the Old Republic is an era. Uh, they want to explore more, so it has to come at some point. It's just a matter of them deciding what's going to be the best home for it. Um, seeing the success on TV that they're having right now and kind of the uncertainty right now with the movies. So I think they might be thinking the same thing over at Lucasfilm where either they have thought about it and the decision's made or they still haven't made it, we just don't know about it, where to tell the story of the old Republic and just what they want their movies to be going forward and to separate them from the TV shows.
2: Yeah. No, you do make a good point too that – If they do it on, you know, if they do it as a series, but do it with the same scale and budget as some of those battle scenes from uh, Game of Thrones, then at that point it really makes no difference to me. I'll take it one way or the other. Um, But yeah, I'm just excited for the day we finally start getting those stories told. Uh, We went way off the rails here and did not (laughs) intend on having an in depth debate and discussion about the possibility of the old republic on film but you know what i'm always down for it because i love that era and want to see it sooner than later um
3: i know we we're talking about before we recorded how the kevin feige movie getting a writer would probably be the one we won't spend the most time on <laughs> <laughs> right like
2: i almost didn't even include that in here i was like oh yeah and we'll just briefly mention that because it's another bit of movie and tv news and here we still are like almost an hour later and in the, in
1: the words of anakin skywalker to kyle for me You underestimate
3: my powers. (laughs) (laughs) We need someone like Oboe to say, don't try it. (laughs) If we're on a tight schedule.
2: (laughs) That's true. That's true. Um, Well, let's get back to uh, sort of the last big group of news items, I guess, um, which is all gaming related. And uh, this was some exciting news to get. First of all, they announced that – Lucas, or Lucasfilm was doing sort of a rebranding of their games division. And, you know, obviously when Disney took over, they closed LucasArts as a game studio, but I guess LucasArts as a group still kind of existed just as like the, I don't know, I guess you could say part of the Star Wars story group that handled gaming and would just work with EA on like the stories of the games and stuff like that. Um... But they've kind of uh, been reorganized into uh, <laughs> Lucasfilm Games, which I, I guess is a throwback. I didn't even realize this, but I guess that's originally what the games company was called before it was LucasArts. Um, so it's kind of a throwback to, uh, you know, it's it's back under this Lucasfilm Games uh, title now, which it really seems like they're kind of going to be doing the same thing they've been doing, um, which is just, you know, collaborating with different studios and um, kind of working as, I guess, sort of a a central hub within Lucasfilm that's, you know, just sort of coordinating the video game stuff and making sure that all these stories feel coherent and cohesive and stuff. And, you know, just it's the division that's overseeing the video games, but they're not the ones actually making the games. Um, But we got some Other big announcements on the tales of this, first of all, was that we're getting a new Indiana Jones video game from Bethesda Studios, which they're the ones that make like Fallout and uh, don't they also do they also do Elder Scrolls? Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's what I thought. I know they do a a couple of big series. Tim, you're a bit more of a gamer than I am. I play a lot of video games, but they're pretty much all Star Wars ones. Um,
3: As much as I play
2: video games, I
3: rarely play Bethesda games. I haven't played Elder Scrolls and I've never played a Fallout game. Um,
2: I haven't either. I think maybe I've played a little bit of Skyrim, but, um, yeah, I haven't, I haven't really gotten into their stuff, but I know they're well known and I know people love their games. And so just to have a studio of that caliber working on a new Indiana Jones game is going to be fun, which obviously is not really Star Wars related, but we'll talk about it anyway. Cause it's, uh, you know, kind of goes with all this stuff. <laughs> I will say this. I'm more excited for a new Indiana Jones video game than I am for a new Indiana Jones movie. Um, oh wow, <laughs> it just well, I mean, and I love the movies, like, especially I love Raiders and I love Last Crusade. But they've been talking about making an indie five since Disney took over Lucasfilm, and it still hasn't happened. And 80 Harrison Ford's like 80 years old at this point, and I'm just like, do we really need this? Um, but a new video game with next gen graphics and everything where you get to play as Indie as in his prime and you know has a new original story and everything, I think that's going to be a lot of fun. So I'm looking forward to that. Um,
3: and we haven't had an Indiana Jones game in a long time, I think, yeah. I mean, I could be wrong, I think the last one that was released on a console was um, the it was one for the first Xbox, so, so I forget the name, but it was like Tomb of the. Dragon Emperor or something like that, but well, I believe they, that was the last one.
2: Didn't they make one for the Nintendo Wii or did that get canceled?
3: See, I don't remember. That. I remember there was one that's supposed to come out like the year before Force Unleashed and they were
0: yeah. unveiling that
3: new engine they were having, but that got cancelled and never saw the light of day. Okay,
2: maybe but, that's what I'm thinking. I'm not though, sure about a Wii one. Well, I think it was for the Wii, because you were supposed to have like motion control for the whip. Give me a second. I'm going to you know what, you're right. It's called the Staff of Kings. I was just looking at right now, man. I okay. totally forgot about that. <laughs> and I never played it. I I mean, I don't know why I remember that, but probably just because it came out around the same time as uh, Force Unleashed and it was for the Wii or it was just because it was LucasArts. Um, and, and of Karen course, there was, also the, there was also the Lego Indiana Jones games. But yeah, there hasn't been a game since 2009.
3: OK, so it hasn't been as long as I thought, but. Obviously, it wasn't that memorable
2: because I had no idea Yeah, totally forgot about it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean, I mean, it's still been a pretty long time. It was 11 years ago, but uh, yeah, it'll be fun to get to play a, a new one of those games. Um, but then the biggest announcement here was that. Um, there's a new, uh, open world star Wars game coming, which we've heard various iterations of open world star Wars games from different studios, you know, heard those rumors for years and those projects keep getting canceled and stuff. Um, but there's now one in development at Ubisoft, uh, specifically at their massive studio, uh, massive entertainment. Um, And so this is our first official confirmation that there are more studios other than EA making Star Wars games, Um, but EA is still working on Star Wars games as well, and so we've got, um, I don't know, this Ubisoft one is the only one that's been officially confirmed right now, and like I said, we've got the LEGO Star Wars game that's coming out this year, and we already know about that, but it seems like there's probably... I mean, who knows what else we've got in development at other studios, and it seems like they make it sound like in this press announcement that EA is working on multiple things. I also keep hearing rumors, and I haven't really looked into these rumors too much, because just from the brief things that I've heard, it sounds like they're just rumors at this point, but people have been talking a lot about a potential Battlefront 3, Um Which could potentially be coming from a different studio. Maybe, you know, DICE wants to just focus on Battlefield and uh, some other studio that's got a good track record with first-person shooters maybe could try their hand at a new Battlefront game. Um, But this is really exciting. And to be honest, I mean, we've talked about this for a while and, you know, with all the stories that we've talked about with... um, you know, EA's different studios having Star Wars games get canceled and things that have been sort of mishandled and mismanaged and wondering, um, you know, if one day we might get another studio, get to take over the Star Wars license from EA. Honestly, like, I'm glad that they're still making Star Wars games as well. I think they did a fantastic job with Jedi Fallen Order at Respawn, and so I hope that one of the games that they have in development is a sequel to that game um, that Respawn is hopefully working on. And of course, I love Battlefront 2, um, and Squadrons is a pretty solid game, so I have no problem with EA continuing to make Star Wars games. I feel like they're uh, finally at a point where at least their last couple games have been good, and I feel like they've learned their lessons from you know some of the shortcomings of the Battlefront games and the launch debacle of Battlefront 2 and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I'm willing to, you know, at least give them a chance with a couple more games and see if they can kind of keep things rolling in the right direction. But at the same time, I'm also glad that they're finally opening it up to other studios and letting some other people take a crack at it. And hopefully, you know, within the next couple of years or so, we maybe could be uh, looking at something similar to... Like, we always talk about that sort of golden age of Star Wars games from, like, 2002 to 2006, where we were getting multiple games a year from a lot of different studios and getting to play a lot of different types of games. And they, for the most part, were really fun and enjoyable. I mean, you had some duds in there, but you also had a lot of great ones. Obviously, the co tour games, the classic Battlefront games. Um, but, you know, Tim, when you and I did our... our uh, Episode where we ranked our top five Star Wars video games, and we had a, you know a bunch of honorable mentions and stuff. You know, we talked about a lot of games from that time period that we have mm-hmm. fond memories of, and so just to think about uh, you know rather than getting one game every couple of years from EA, to think that just over the horizon there could be. Uh, a time where we'll maybe be getting i don't know two or three solid star wars games a year from different studios and getting to play games in different genres and in different time periods of the star wars universe is really exciting and i can't wait to see what kind of stuff they come out with
3: yeah to me that was the biggest takeaway from this announcement as cool as it is to get a new open world star wars game that is single player and story driven that's going to be awesome and I just can't help but think this might be the easy way to go. Um, I think they'll do something different. But you hear sometimes how the Mandalorian sometimes gets compared to a structure like a video game.
0: Uh-huh.
3: I would love a Mandalorian open world video game. Oh, I, I know absolutely it's a di- would. I know it's a different studio who makes it. But if we get like a Red Dead Redemption style type game just with the Mandalorian.
2: <laughs> yes.
3: <laughs> set before the events of the series. I was just about to say incredible. that would
2: actually be a perfect way to go.
3: Yeah, so I would love that, and we'll see if that's what this is, but um, if not, regardless, it should still be pretty cool to get an open-world Star Wars game. But I was just more excited of knowing that other studios are finally going to be able to work on Star Wars games now, and that exclusivity is over with with EA by the time this game would come out. I think the 10 years will be up, and it just makes you think of the possibilities, like you were saying, Kyle, of the different type of games we could be hopefully getting now um, in the future for Star Wars and video games and um, for different genres, too, because, you know, I've been kind of chomping at the bit for a brand new Star Wars fighting game. We need some to erase <laughs> the taste of Masters of Terracasi, <laughs> which is over 20 years ago now. And the best part about it is getting a reference in Solo. <laughs> but uh, we had the Soul Calibur crossover with Soul Calibur 4, where it had Yoda, Darth Vader, and uh, Starkiller in there. But it showed you the potential of how cool a Star Wars fighting game can be. And if we can get a full-blown fighting game, whether it's developed by Capcom, the developers for Street Fighter, or Bandai Namco, the one to do Tekken, my two favorite fighting game series, that would be awesome for them to tackle Star Wars. And I would love for that to happen. But um, that potential is there now. That's what has me most excited about it. Um, this announcement as far as Ubisoft developing a game just any day now we can get surprises of who's developing a new star Wars game. And I think that's exciting in itself. So um, just, I think as we're talking about new era for star Wars kind of starting this year with the TV shows and the high Republic uh, initiative launching, um, we're going to be getting a new era of star Wars video games coming too. And not necessarily this year, but in the very near future, it's going to be a whole new ball game than what we've been used to this previous decade with star Wars video games, just having it be done by EA and, kind of having to overcome controversies. And these games could still have controversies with other developers and studios, but um, the fact that um, these studios now have the opportunities to do what they want in Star Wars is exciting. So yeah, that was my big takeaway from this announcement, regardless of just being excited about a new Star Wars open world game, just the possibilities of maybe what we can expect from Star Wars in video games in the future is really cool.
1: Well, I hate to be a funny-duddy here, but I just echo every, everything everyone else says because I don't really play video games. for Star Wars games. And uh, yeah, so whatever Tim and Kyle
2: said. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Wait, just but, keeping but it but real. We, but we said we were excited for LEGO Star Wars. Uh, sure.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the, the one thing I will add, I think, Kyle, is that I think they pretty much have confirmed that Jedi Fallen Order 2 is coming uh not that i've seen i'm pretty sure there's i'm pretty sure someone look it up i don't know. well like, it's not it's not
2: have. in this press announcement all it says it says continuing the relationship that resulted in the reinvigorated battlefront series the critically acclaimed jedi fallen order and multiplayer hit star wars squadrons electronic arts will too play a big role in the future of star wars gaming um And uh, it says, while we may not have a lot of details to share at the moment, we've got a number of projects underway with the talented teams at EA. So they referenced Jedi Fallen Order, and they mentioned that EA has multiple Star Wars games uh, in some form of development. But that's, you know, all we've got to go on there. Although, like I said, I will say just I would be very surprised if we don't get that at some point. In fact, I'd be surprised if we don't get it announced this year at some point.
3: Yeah, it'll make sense for EA to kind of their role, maybe in this to continue what has already been successful for them, like a sequel to Fallen in Order instead of maybe developing something brand new. And they're going to leave that to, to other studios who they can now make deals with. So maybe kind of EA just going to continue what they've been doing with the series that they have already developed, maybe Battlefront three and Fallen Order two, instead of developing new projects what some that never saw the light of day. Um, so I don't know. I could definitely see that being the way as far as them keeping EA still as a partner when developing video games, just do what they did that they know was successful already.
2: Yeah. Um, And then the one other thing we have to talk about regarding video games, this wasn't part of the Lucasfilm announcement, but um this actually just came out, I think just today. Yeah, it was today uh, from Game Informer and they've got scoops and sources and stuff that, there's potentially a new knights of the old republic game in the works but not at ea or bioware um, and again this kind of coming on the heels of the the announcement there are, that there are other star other studios now working on star wars games and we've heard rumors for i feel like the past couple of years now that there could be some kind of new kotor game in the works and that it could even be uh, like some kind of reboot like not necessarily a remaster but um, something that kind of retells the story but maybe tweaks it to fit with the current canon or whatever, just, you know, some kind of reimagining of um, of that game and that story with a new video game. Um, and so we kind of jumped the gun here. Like, I knew we were going to talk about Knights of the Little Republic at the end of this episode, but we spent, you know, almost an hour speculating about a movie adaptation. That could all be a moot point if they've got big plans to uh, sort of revitalize the video game series. Yeah, that's um, true. And you know what? Honestly, doing something with, you know, current-gen graphics and everything, you know, if we get just a new series of KOTOR games and it kind of retells or at least incorporates elements of the story from the old games and is, you know, on the scale of, like, you know, you picture, like, Mass Effect or something, but, like, even better with, you know, these these new consoles and the graphics and everything that they can do. And it's just a, a video game series with epic stories and great graphics and fun gameplay and everything. I'd be totally fine with that too. As much as I'd love to see it on the screen, like just give me a modernized version of the game and maybe even something with an expansion of the story and, you know, give us more stuff to play through. I think I'd be okay with that too. Um, But just, you know, interesting here that they're reporting that it it could be at a studio other than EA or Bioware. Like on the one hand, that's kind of disappointing because I... You know, I love what Bioware did with the original, but, um, you know, these days there's a lot of other talented studios and game developers out there, too. And even, I mean, as much as I hate to say it, it feels like Bioware isn't quite what they used to be. Um, So I trust that they'll put this in the right hands. And I don't know, man, just give me give me something in the old Republic. Um, I'm going crazy over here. But if these gaming rumors (laughs) are true, you know, I'd be really excited to get my hands on that game.
3: Yeah, and that's a good point, too. All this time talking about bringing Nights of the Republic into a movie or a TV show, what if it is still just going to be reintroduced in the new canon via a video game? Whether it's kind of like a retelling of the first one with new graphics, and like you said, keeping the general basis of the story the same, but retweaking it just a little bit to have it fit in the new canon. Um, They could go that way, too, and if they still plan on doing movies and spinoffs from it, they could take it from where the game uh, kicks off everything because in a way it would make sense to where the Knights of the Old Republic, the one, the era that everyone's most familiar with when you hear Knights of the Old Republic is started with that game in 2003. So if they want to kick that off in a video game and then expand further than that, um, they could do that as well too, where we maybe eventually leads to movies and TV shows that continue off what started with that original game and pick you pick and choose, I guess with some of the characters to focus on from those games. So that's a potential option for all the scenarios we were painting with TV shows and movies as well for that era.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. And like I said, I, honestly, I'd be okay with any of those. I mean, if we get a game, if we get a movie, if we get a TV series, um, I'd be happy just to relive those stories in some form. But I think, you know, I, I really am excited for, uh, for some sort of revitalization of the game series. Um, now, and again, I, it's going to be interesting to see how a different studio handles it. I also, I would imagine that if it is a different studio doing it, that it maybe won't be a straight retelling of the Bioware game, that it'll probably be even more different. Um, cause I don't know how much like EA or Bioware still has the rights to that original game, or is it all under LucasArts? Like, I don't know. Um, how all that works just from a legal perspective. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I love those video games and would love to uh, just be able to play some modernized version of, uh, you know, just a game set in the Old Republic era. Um, but yeah, we'll have to wait and see. Like I said, I think, I mean, just the fact that we got the, the, Lucasfilm, annou- the Lucasfilm Games announcement and then a few days later got the Indiana Jones announcement and then the, a few days later got the Ubisoft uh, open world announcement. And that was all just within a couple weeks at the beginning of the year. And now knowing that there's a lot of studios working on Star Wars games now, I think we'll get, you know, a a handful more of game announcements before the end of this year. And I don't want to get my hopes up. I mean, I don't think, you know, we're going to get a whole slew of things announced. But, I mean, the fact that they mentioned that EA alone has multiple projects in the pipeline that haven't been announced yet, I think we very easily could get maybe three or four Star Wars titles announced by the end of this year um you know for in various stages of development to be released over the next like two or three years but um it's going to be an exciting time for gaming for sure um and like i said i mean as much as i've enjoyed some of the games that ea has put out so far it'll be nice to uh, be able to look forward to a couple games a year instead of one game every couple of years um so this was some some big exciting news to get and uh look forward to this paying dividends down the line once these games start coming out.
3: Yep. Totally agree.
2: Um, all right. Well, that's pretty much all the news we've got to talk about. Um and that's pretty much gonna wrap it up for the episode. We don't really have a uh, you know, any listener comments or we didn't do a poll or anything for this episode. I guess we could have asked, you know, what are you guys most excited for for 2021 but um, I don't know we'll make sure to get some comments and thoughts from you guys before our next episode when we talk about the High Republic and uh, see what you guys have thought about it for those of you that have gotten into the books and stuff so far Um, but happy new year glad to be back with you guys Um, you know kind of just wanted to get on here and record an episode just to get our first one of the year out of the way and get back in the swing of things um, and then I know we've been going for almost two hours, but for us, this is a little bit shorter episode would have been even shorter if we hadn't yeah. gone down the KOTOR movie rabbit hole. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll be back with definitely a, a meaty in-depth review of, uh, light of the Jedi and the High Republic. So look out for that next time. Um, but until then you can, uh, you know, obviously check us out online, follow us on Twitter at star Wars TSC. Follow us on Facebook at Facebook.com/Slash Star Wars: The Saga Continues. You can send us email at Star at gmail.com and check out our website at Star Wars uh, for all the latest episodes, news stories, all that kind of stuff. Um, and check out Thunderquack.com for all the other awesome podcasts in the Thunderquack Podcast Network. Um, But that's going to do it for now. Thank you guys for tuning in. We look forward to talking all kinds of cool Star Wars stuff with you here in 2021. But we will see you next time. And may the force be with you.
3: See you next time, everybody.
1: God. Be. Rebels.